0: You're listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 105 of the Testudo Times Podcast where, Thomas, we have a mission. And our mission is to find this person who stole Rad Panda's unicycle.
1: That's that's a very, you know, we, we are joining a very large coalition. I know. Um, with it's with this is the entire the podcast. Yes, so we are, you know, once again, um, you know, reward for anyone who turns it in. Don't give it to us, although, you know, we wouldn't be the worst people because she'll be in College Park on Sunday. Whose unicycle um, is she going to be using? Uh, she had a backup. She oh, actually she backup. performed. Okay. Good. She performed at Michigan State uh, with the backup. Oh. Um and, and we'll be back uh in College Park, but but man, you know it's
0: who who would do such a thing? Who would be that heartless to steal a unicycle of a performer who flips balls on her head? Like what would inspire you well inspire's the wrong word. What would possess you to do such a thing? Like what would you have to be thinking about in your life on the day you're gonna do it and say that's right. Today's the day. I'm going to go steal the unicycle of a glorified circus performer, even though the circus doesn't exist anymore, that everyone loves, and I'll be a pariah in the world if I do it.
1: I'll go even more general. What compels you to steal a unicycle, period? It's like, unless you unless you know how to ride it. And like, I'm
0: going to assume the person who we're now seeing in pictures from the San Francisco airport does not know how to ride a unicycle.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if you're going to steal a unicycle, you might as well, like, you know. Like, when you steal a car, you drive the car away. When you steal a unicycle.
0: You can't really unicycle out of the San Francisco airport and go anywhere.
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, well, at least she's performing on a Sunday, which is about the only reason why you should go to that game at this point.
1: Well, it's your mostly Sunday options include that. Uh, the Phoenix Open or Excuse Super Bowl me. hype.
0: Excuse me, Liverpool-Tottenham, you could do that too. I will be doing that, and it's going to be emotional. Is that in the afternoon, though? That's Is that 11 in the afternoon, 30, though? 11.30 in the morning. So it runs yeah, like exactly. I'm game.
1: talking about it like at 1 o'clock. What can you do? Well, the
0: game's running into the you afternoon. Either so watch. You'll, you'll be able to watch the last yeah. 30 minutes of that game, and it will be emotion and terror-inducing, <laughs> and I will be watching that because uh, it's way more interesting. Lucas Mora. It's very exciting.
1: There are a couple of... uh, And then you turn the channel and then hope you get some Red Panda.
0: That's... I mean, I hope CBS shows the halftime show. That's all I could ask for at this point. So should we start... uh, Stop dancing around this uh, whole uh, nonsense about Red Panda and talk about Maryland basketball? Or should we just keep on talking about Red Panda because it's much more interesting?
1: Well... We'll talk about what's going to happen before Red Panda. I mean, inverted pyramid—you go the most important things first. Um, ah,
0: yeah, very good. You're yeah, learning something I mean, at, at
1: the Merrill College, Thomas. Absolutely. I mean, I, I learned a lot. Maryland there. hasn't won. Maryland hasn't won in a couple of podcasts.
0: This is true. Um,
1: but yeah, they—I was very surprised that the Purdue game was as close as it was. I, I think a lot of it. The the main reason for that is just Purdue didn't play well. Didn't have a good great. offensive game.
0: Uh, they they just didn't just didn't have a well. good offensive
1: game. Yeah, they they missed they, so they, many and open and shots. And had a and
0: horrible the, offensive game and scored eighty three points.
1: Seventy five still. I mean, that's oh, it if 75? that's your bad night. Well, it's yeah, like if that's your 80 bad 80 night, 30. then that's a pretty good bad night. Well, um,
0: yeah, for one of the best teams in the country.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, but Maryland was just had such a short deck with. You know, I mean, there's the two injuries that, that they already had.
0: Seven and a half scholarship players because Deion Wiley was hurt by the end of it, too.
1: Deion Wiley was nicked up and Sean Obi fouled out with 10 minutes left.
0: So they essentially finished the game with six scholarship players. I'm surprised we didn't see Reese Mona at any point.
1: I was a little surprised as well. Um, I think it's really just because the players they still have left are all guards, mostly. Yeah. You know, They, they were running out four-guard lineups just because that's who they have. I mean... The two players that are out for the year are both forwards. And, Michael you know, Tchaikov- Tchaikovsky, is Tchaikovsky is the center. You know, he, was, he would have probably would have started. Um, credit to Bruno Fernando. Uh, he, he we, we obviously all about this.
0: When he had four fouls.
1: Yeah. I mean, he played very well with, you know, having four fouls with, I think, 12 minutes left.
0: I mean, it's um, not really worth much. But he and against Isaac tortured Cox. Tortured uh, Matt Harms.
1: Well, yeah, I guess well.
0: played as well as you could reasonably play when you have four fouls, but he tortured Matt Harms. It was actually really kind of funny. Because mm-hmm. the broadcast was talking about how Matt Harms is this beloved player, this freshman from the Netherlands, and then I'm just sitting here thinking, well, Bruno Fernando's better and far more interesting to watch, too. What's the difference between Purdue and Maryland in a nutshell or basically Bruno Fernando v. Matt Harms? Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. There was not
1: much else to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, because Maryland just, as as hard as they played and as, you know, fine as the final score looks, um, you know, they never led and never really seemed like that much of a threat. They did get within three in the middle of the second half. but Which
0: was incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's still a loss that they were losing the whole time. And moral victories don't really do anything. So, um, you know, you kind of have to just what, – what what they'll have to do is they'll have to carry whatever good vibes come from this game, and they'll have to carry it into February, where they've got seven regular season games left and all of them they're are winnable.
0: All against teams that aren't particularly
1: that great. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska uh, and Michigan
0: are okay by Big Ten standards, but they're not exactly world beaters.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Michigan's at home. So.
0: And yeah, and if Maryland can play like they have been playing, and it's not like they've been playing badly. They've had two game, games in the Big Ten where they played badly. All the other ones, they had bad moments. And a lot of it, I think, maybe it's karma, because with Mellow Trimble, Maryland won all these ridiculously close games in stupid circumstances, and this year they're losing all of those close games in stupid circumstances, or they're just running out of steam. But at some point, they have to win a game like that. And you would presume against teams that are not very good at basketball, and Maryland plays quite a few of them this month. Uh, they'll have a chance to win a few. There is a universe in which they'll win their last seven games, and it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if it happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd be a little surprised if they won all seven, but I think if they if they win six of seven, they're you know right on the bubble. They're ten and and if they win, conference play. Yeah, I don't think they're they on win the win bubble. I think
0: that just shows that how crappy the Big Ten is this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, if they if they win all seven, I think you know. The tournament isn't dead, but they just can't really do a lot of losing anymore. Well, I mean, they've done if, all their losing you, in January. If you win
0: at Nebraska and you beat Michigan at home, then you've essentially, well, Michigan's not on the bubble, they're in. But Nebraska is on the bubble, and if you can win those two games and maybe lose only one more, well, let's say they win seven, they go into a chance if they win maybe two games in the tournament in the Big 10, then they could be in. Maybe it would be the first four, but it's not as if they're toast yet that's probably because they've played the brutal stretch of the big 10 and they didn't go very well in it but they still don't have any really bad losses like all their losses are ones you would say "Eh, those are acceptable st bonaventure is the most like oh one but all the other ones i mean indiana at home uh, on the road for maryland's sake that's not a bad loss you know all these other losses are, are not bad you know they haven't had any like total head scratchers, and the and their best win, let's be honest, it's their only good win in the year is Butler, and that win is getting a little bit better every time Butler plays. So it's not as if like if they could win at Nebraska and Michigan and then win two games in the Big Ten tournament by going and losing one other time before, then they have a chance. It's not a good chance, but they have a chance. And considering everything that's gone wrong this season, that's about all you could ask for.
1: Yeah, I'm generally with you there. I mean, it's. You know these these kinds of seasons happen, and they happen to Maryland usually in football more often than they do. You in know basketball. it's funny because I mean there's four consensus good teams, in, you know the Big Ten, and Maryland has already played five games against them. No six. Six games, yeah, six games. And they have a seventh. And they have a seventh. That's what it was. I thought, yeah. Um, it's. And right. I mean that's that's the thing is the the one extra loss is at Assembly Hall, which is always just. Really a
0: tough to yeah,
1: building. Exactly. Maryland has so beaten it's...
0: every Big Ten team. They've beaten Indiana too. But they've won in every Big Ten gym that isn't Assembly Hall. And mm. there's a phrase in soccer, it's called bogey teams or bogey places. You know, and that's a bogey team for Maryland. They just can't beat them for whatever reason. And it stinks. But remember Bruno Fernando was injured in that second half. So again, it's like you can blame it on injuries if you want to. And it's not like they got blown out. They were close.
1: Yeah. Although, you know, if, you know, Maryland might put herself in a position where whatever the difference was in that game might be the difference between being in the tournament, being in the NIT. Which is, you know, college basketball is weird that way. And
0: Oh, of course it is. You know, just, just win games the and season of them all, takes care of all. Even itself. though I think we're starting to figure out who's good and who isn't good.
1: Yeah, we're sort of starting to figure that out. Um, although, like, like,
0: even, the, even the best teams in the nation right now are like Virginia, who never does well in the tournament, Purdue, who never does well in the tournament. you know,
1: this Villanova, team, who doesn't usually do well, but this did is win true. one year.
0: Except for one year. Like The three best teams in the country right now are teams that have very bad tournament histories. It's just the oddest thing. But I guess it makes sense in this weird college basketball season where a team that was once ranked number two, Arizona State, is now unranked or will be unranked. Yeah that that's fine. A, a, a quick word on the Michigan State game. Uh, maybe Maryland shouldn't do the flash mob anymore, even though it's really cool. it's well choreographed, but they lose every flash mob game. I think they've lost the last three.
1: Yeah, well, that's my fault. Uh, I got I got here three years ago. Ah. Um, so I mean I think okay. the real I think the real issue though is like it, it was well timed this year. Like the, the last two years, they actually, it was during a run from the other team. Um, yeah, and this year. This year was actually
0: in the first half when Maryland was dominating.
1: Yeah, I think the crowd just didn't have the same energy in the second half because Michigan State came out hot and everyone was just like, oh. No, well, about there, to there goes that. And then even, the, and then, but Maryland was like close the entire rest of the way. But the, there was just not the same energy in the building. I, I think, think that,
0: well, maybe it's the first the year, team ran the first steam. year they Maryland ran out of steam. The fans did.
1: I think the the first year they did like a part two to the flash mob in the second half, and with how early they make people show up, um, I mean, you know, I think that's definitely care, something they should do.
0: It's just one of those weird things that, I mean, it's, it takes a lot of choreography to do it.
1: Yeah, I know they get fans, you know, in the building early, and I think. The entire thing that I am, you know, pining for is just, you know, a version of it in the second half.
0: Or, or just know, play a later down the stretch. more likes, and then you could get, the, get the crowd anyway, because that was, on TV, as good an atmosphere I've ever seen at the Xfinity Center. It was great. And, yeah. again, it took a Maryland team that against Michigan State on the road, they lost to them by 30, and at home, were beating them from pillar to post in the first half, and, again on that no real business being competitive with them, but they were. That's the difference that Xfinity Center makes. It really is kind of amazing. Yep. So, in general, I think since I've had too many discussions on this uh, issue in the past, and I think we should do this on the podcast, it's talking about, I guess, this season in vis-a-vis relationship to Mark Turgeon's tenure at Maryland, and more than likely he's going to miss the tournament for the fourth time in seven years, which that's not particularly good for a program that would like to be in the tournament more years than it isn't but this year is one you could almost entirely chalk off because of injuries and even when they had been fully healthy we thought this was a team that could make the tournament but wasn't guaranteed but when you take away I don't know everybody at some point that isn't counter or with injury you're going to have some issues and they have and I think Mark Turgeon's coaching has honestly gotten a little bit better as his lineup's been depleted. He's had to do some different things and unique things with the motion offense, and a lot of them have worked. And that performance at Purdue is very impressive, all things considered, when you think about how little they had in their holster compared to arguably the best team in the country, certainly the best team in the Big Ten. And now you go into, well, looking at Mark Turgeon, looking at his tenure and looking at what's likely going to be a fourth missed tournament in seven years. And I mean, there are some deep seated Mark Turgeon biases for reasons that I've never quite understood. And some of them come out in situations like this when the team is not winning. And especially this is one of their longest losing runs that they've had really since like 2013, 14 when that team just wasn't very good. And I I don't know about the whole Turgeon discussion vis-a-vis his job status and where he is and how Maryland should be doing this as a program. And now that you've been around it for longer, Thomas, wh- where do you stand on this? I know you had some talks with people on Twitter after the Purdue game on Wednesday night about this. And where do you stand?
1: So I think, you know, I come at it from the perspective of, you know, I didn't sort of suffer through the first few years. And so, you know, to me, I don't have as much of an understanding for the, it's it's year seven and we're still here idea um because the way i see it is you know maryland was bad for a few years before he got there um with with a few exceptions when griff's was there but you know it, it wasn't great and then he built it up to something that would be in the tournament pretty much every year um you know and it would take a year like this with you know as ever however many injuries and you know Weird scheduling stuff um, that's gone on, and so to me, I still think the general trajectory over the course of his tenure is positive. And I think it would take more than one sort it would of take dip a of a season like
0: this, when everyone was healthy, in my mind, to even turn up the heat on his seat.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing is I think because he's still. Like, if you looked at this year's team, the five best players at the start of the year, um, and more off, you know, in general, the year overall, like, probably the five most reliable players have come in the last two recruiting classes. And he's got another recruiting class coming in uh, with three guys that figure to add to that.
0: And a transfer and, that hopefully and works.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the transfer is a project. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what to really expect out of that and I don't know what to expect out of the rest of the recruiting class um but but either way you know after losing pretty much everyone from the 2016 team which they sort of loaded up all for one year it seemed like Mm -hmm. and
0: I mean they got to the sweet 16 people wanted and expected them to do better yeah It's not as if that the Sweet Sixteen is a failure. I, we had that discussion on the podcast, which you can go back and listen to if you want to. I don't think we want to rehash yeah. an argument from two years. But away. I mean, I
1: think I think that team, you know, was sort of thrown together for one year. I think now it's about building something a little more sustainable. And so the year after that was when Cowan and Herder and Jackson came in. You know, Jackson probably won't stay four years, but those other two guys, uh, it totally. seems more than like it seems more than likely that they will. And um you know it, and it looks like maybe Marcel could be here for four years, um, And even a couple of the guys after years.
0: I don't think it's unreasonable to think he won't be here for at least one more,
1: yeah, more likely than not. And so I think that's what that's what you have to do is you have to get you know the talented players that stick around. And that's how you just build a program and build some consistency, and that's just what Mark Turgeon hasn't had yet. Is that level of consistency? And once you find that, you know, I, th- I think generally they'll have, th- they'll be looking pretty good, I think. But there's also definitely an argument of, you know, he's, he's a questionable in game coach at times and hasn't gotten the most out of everyone. Um, but no and... coach can effectively do that. I mean, no, of course.
0: No, no coach could get the best out of most players, but the, thing, the like, thing, with almost like, do you want Maryland to be you know, a place where one and dones come all the time and you're constantly reloading and that has varying limits of success? Some schools could do it, but Maryland's not a school in which it could really work. Or do you want them to be a, a program in which they're going to be down years, some of them by luck, some of them by just transition, and then you could build programs that have four-year players, like purdue or virginia or these programs that have this consistent level of success because they don't necessarily get the biggest recruits who are going to be one and dones you know it's a balancing act and maryland has tried all of it they've tried transfers one-year transfers who are essentially one and dones they've tried the one-year freshman superstar and diamond stone and that didn't work out the way that everybody was hoping and sometimes recruiting rankings aren't quite as good as you'd like them to be and now you have a program in which yeah, this is a down year, but we kind of expected it. You lose Bella Trimble. You're not as deep as Mark Turgeon certainly would like to be. They could only bring in two recruits this year. But they're both very good players, and have had to play a ton as freshmen. You know, in days not long by, freshmen didn't play nearly the same sort of roles, even at a school like Maryland, as they do now. Like, Maryland was is heavily reliant on Bruno Fernando and Daryl Morcel to do what they have been doing. And that is again, it's not all that long ago in which that wasn't a thing. you know. And next year, you have, as we say, Cowan and Herter are more than likely back. Daryl Morcell is going to be back. Bruno Fernando is probably back. Ivan Bender is back. Joshua Tamaich has shown some flashes. You have three very highly touted freshmen coming in at a potential transfer. That's team that on paper, with no other additions, and there will be others, that looks like it could be a top 25 team next year. And that for Maryland, after a couple of years in which they were, eh, that's what happens in college basketball. It's ebbs and flows, and you could be on the flow next year. And that team has the potential to be really
1: good. Yeah, um, you know, top twenty-five might be selling short what you know your you know that that roster. Um, just because well, you don't know I think how things are
0: going to turn out. In this I think there's February. just
1: there's just every bit as much depth as. You know, I've I, and even, as I've even ever seen a Maryland team happen.
0: had depth issues. They had a great yeah. starting five, but they had nobody in the backcourt.
1: Yeah, well, Dion Wiley, people. if you remember, was supposed to be the sixth man that year, and he, yeah. I believe, tore his meniscus before the season. Yep, and just missed the whole season. And as a result, Maryland just didn't have the depth. Um, I don't I don't know how much that that hurt the ceiling. Based on
0: how Dion Wiley has developed, I don't know how much it would have helped.
1: At the same time, at the same time. I mean, he's just been hurt since then, too. You know?
0: You never know how players are going to develop. It's a lottery. It's like how we speak of sports drafts as a lottery. Recruiting is even more of a lottery. And Mark Turgeon, you have to be honest, has hit more than he's missed.
1: Yeah. um, Especially recently, which is why, you know, the we just get so much in our mentions of you know, it's it's all been the same, you know, for seven years. It it really hasn't, you know.
0: I mean, things the first are, year for
1: things for, have been better the last really three rough. than the they've been the year first. The second year they
0: overachieved, three. they beat Duke twice, and everybody loved that. But they still made the NIT. The year after that was rough as well, as they transitioned. And then after that, it took Mark Turgeon really three years. It was his fourth season before he really got this program the way he wanted it to look like. And it takes a while to do that. And remember, he's also replacing somebody who at Maryland is untouchable. So, these things don't happen overnight. Yeah, I think a
1: lot of uh, you know the you know criticism from Turgeon is because people are spoiled. People got Gary Williams for like two decades. And Gary Williams is in the Hall of Fame. Like, if you're comparing Turgeon and Williams, you're already, you know, kind of showing your cards. Because if you expect Turgeon to be Williams, you're not going to be happy. Um, and also
0: what do people want Maryland to be? I, I mean, yeah, everybody wants to win national championships and Maryland has done that, but they're not Duke or North Carolina or Michigan state or some of these glamor programs that are great every year. It just, they're not like that. They don't have the ability to be like that, even though they have some of the tools, but they don't have all the tools at their disposal. And that's just the way that it is. But Maryland is still a very prominent program and one that has had not-so-distant successes and one that is and can be very, very good. So, again, it's a matter of what you expect Maryland to be and what you want Maryland to be, and sometimes those expectations can be out of whack. And my other thing, and this is the last we'll speak of this for now, and I think we should really reserve these discussions for more offseason when we get down the line, my other argument when it comes to this, and it is not that I'm pro-Turgeon or always ardently pro-Turgeon. I'm more anti-arguments that don't make much sense. The argument that I always, always kind of loathe is, well, fire Turgeon. Okay, who do you want to replace him? Anybody that Kevin Plank wants. That, that's not an argument that flies for me. And Maryland can only attract a certain level of coach. You know, if you want Greg Marshall or Chris Beard or some of these great play or Chris Mack, excuse me, Chris Beard is somebody who could be reasonable, but he'd be just like Mark Turgeon, to be honest with you. Uh, They can't attract that kind of level of coach. Maryland isn't the kind of job where you get Greg Marshall or Chris Mack or somebody from these really good programs that dominate their conferences like the Big East and the American to leave. You just really don't have that happen very often. You know, Archie Miller left Dayton to go to Indiana, but that's, again, it's a little bit different than Maryland. I guess Maryland could have, in theory, gotten Archie Miller, but I mean, would he be much better than Mark Turgeon is right now? You know, there are only a certain level of coach that Maryland could hire that's reasonable and realistic. And that's always been my argument. It's you could replace him, but you have to replace him with somebody that's better if you're gonna make a change.
1: He would have to well that's the thing, is that you have to decide that he's you know, a coach that that needs to be fired. And then you, you figure it out from there. Um he hasn't i i just don't think he's done anything that's like that he's he's done nothing fireable um and absolutely not this year's not a fireable offense and so that's the thing is is you know there there's a large portion of people that are that just want something better because they know there are better things out there but you know you, it's it's just not how it works. You don't, you fire a coach when the coach needs to be fired. You don't fire a coach of the idea that something else might be better.
0: Because if you fire that's, him, that's you don't necessarily you, get a better coach.
1: Yeah, that's how disasters happen.
0: Yeah, and geez, Maryland, didn't they do that kind of with football? Got rid of Ralph Region and then hired Randy Edsel, who was demonstrably worse, and they're still trying to pick up the pieces from that? This stuff happens.
1: Speaking of football coaching...
0: Ah, do you want to go to that first or do women's basketball? Because I always like to uh, we'll, the basketball discussions.
1: Well, we'll, okay. do, we'll do the football now. Okay, let's Why do not? that. Uh, Why?
0: There is a new coaching staff, essentially, filled out after more changes. Uh, poor DJ Durkin essentially had to rebuild his entire offensive coaching staff this offseason.
1: Yeah, um, you know, with Walt Bell leaving, and then Tyler Bowen leaving, and Anthony Tucker leaving. That's all for the entire like, staff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had to replace three offensive coaches. Um, Chris Beatty's really the only guy left. And so since, you know, we recorded last, uh, well, yesterday they added. um,
0: Jafar Williams.
1: Jafar Williams as running backs coach.
0: Who was a wide Um, receiver.
1: Yes, he was a wide receiver at Maryland. He was the wide receivers coach at Rutgers. He's been the running backs coach uh, at Purdue and a couple other places. Um, so it's not like this, this crazy hire. Um, and Dave Bukar, I believe it, it is, uh, he's basically a Matt Canada guy. Um, tight ends have an interesting role in Canada's offense. And so, um, you know, he'll have his guy, um, around to sort of supervise that. Um, you know, he'll, he'll take over for Pete Lembo, who it was just a weird offseason for Pete Lembo. I'm not really sure what to make of it um, because he was a candidate for the Fordham head coaching job. Didn't get that. Um, and then actually gave up special teams coordinator duties to Matt Barnes and was still around as Maryland's tight ends coach and associate head coach. And then, I guess he left still wanting a promotion back to a special teams coordinator, and he did it. Right. And so he got that at Rice. It's 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 a strange off season that like, you know that that all happened over a month and a half, so it was it was weird.
0: But now the coaching staff is at least well filled.
1: Yes, there are no more vacancies right now, and I don't expect any extra movement this off season.
0: I doubt um, that would happen unless somebody has to leave the program for health reasons or otherwise.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean there's 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 always something, you know, with with a coaching staff. You know, it's it's you'll never get full continuity. Um you know, almost all of the original Durkin staff is gone at this point. Um I think only Chris Beatty and Azar Abdul are still around from that. Um, and, and, you know, those are two guys who, I mean, they've kept giving them raises and promotions because they're such good recruiters Yep. in such important areas.
0: I mean, absolutely. Well, certainly observed to Raheem, DMV to UMD. That's his job basically. And so the coaching staff is now filled out. Uh, and in terms of national signing day, which is next Wednesday, I always get the day wrong. It's next Wednesday. Um, there has been some movement. We talked about the decommit for the tight end that was Walt Bell's guy back uh, last podcast. And then otherwise, uh, Noah Boykin decommitted. It was, I think Maryland's still in his top four, but if you decommit, you're probably not coming to the school you originally committed to. So I doubt that's a thing. Uh, Michael Saladin, who was the running back we all thought was probably going to Maryland, didn't have him in his top four. Uh, so that was kind of a surprise, but Maryland has enough running backs anyway. I don't think that that's going to be a huge loss. And there doesn't really seem to be much else that's going on because most of the class is basically signed already.
1: Yeah, I mean most of the class signed. Really the one thing that Durkin said is that you know they were going to try to add a cornerback or two. Um, and if that's not Boykin, um, then it's probably Ken Montgomery who's from the Tampa area. He's another four-star recruit. Um, he was on campus recently, and I think he'll be in Nebraska this weekend. Um, so you know Scott Frost is going to get the last word in. Um, it, it's really to be determined what happens there, but that's really the extent of you know the drama for Maryland because you know just just all the other targets that they really had. You know they didn't have a ton of spots, and. Um, Yeah, so they're really just waiting on one guy at this point. It looks like.
0: So you don't have to sit around
1: next Wednesday staring at the TV. Don't have to stare at the TV. I mean, feel free to stare at Testudo Times. Um, I don't know how much we'll even have. Just might because. Just be a normal day. Yeah, I mean, our our big signing day. Like you know, signing days like just probably the biggest day of the year for us as as bloggers because we push out something about everybody um True. there's very little that's probably going to the biggest happen. day
0: for college websites you know websites that cover college sports
1: yeah i mean if you run like the ohio state site and you have 10 football players get drafted every year you know that's a huge weekend for you Well that's
0: not what happens at maryland although there will be a couple of turps that do get drafted this year so
1: yep well at least at least more um
0: Well, that's one with
1: with Gray and Prince returning. They were probably going to get drafted. JC Jackson will probably get drafted. You're right, and uh,
0: two at least. That's more than yeah. To be
1: determined with Jermaine Carter as well. Yeah, so that's two at the very least.
0: Can't hurt to have that, but yeah, if you're Ohio State and Alabama, it happens ten times. But I don't think those get as many hits as recruiting stories do. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, often because you know recruits are, you know. it's the future instead of sort of the past
0: it is absolutely it's it's a little more
1: reader interest
0: i i don't get much into recruiting but it is what it is uh because because you always set yourself up for inevitable disappointment that's usually what happens especially when you're dealing with high school kids and you know that's why especially in
1: basketball when like a a recruiting class is just three or four guys and so every like i've seen so many lists 2018 it could be more well, I've seen so many lists of, like, here are all the people Mark Turgeon missed on in 2018. And I'm like, yeah, everyone misses on most of their targets because there are so to many get teams. three of them. Yeah, he got three of them. Doesn't look like he'll get Tiger Campbell, although Tiger Campbell not announcing yesterday, which he was supposed to, doesn't seem like horrible news. Um, he has a hair of Sideshow Bob. I'm sorry, I
0: have to say that.
1: Yeah, no, his hair is, is phenomenal. It's it's a lion hair on Tiger, which is weird, but uh
0: Lions and Tigers and uh any better yeah. references we can make
1: at Maryland? Um Bear Bryant, I don't know.
0: That that's stretching it
1: a bit. That's definitely stretching it going way into the past. But so anyway, the one one interesting point is that you mentioned when guys decommit and still have someone in the top four, um, like they're probably not Recommitting Tiger Campbell looks he at least looked like um, he was going to recommit to DePaul um, where he committed in September and decommitted in the fall. There are going to be other
0: targets. There's three months left for Mark Turgeon and company to do recruiting. So they will get other players. Yes. Someone somewhere. Somehow. You notice how this discussion about football ended up turning back into a basketball discussion again.
1: I mean, it's just not. A ton going on in that recruiting front,
0: really. And it's mid-season. There doesn't happen to be much that goes on in recruiting mid-season. Sometimes there are, but it's rare. Yep. And Maryland isn't quite, you know, getting Zian Williamson, who committed to Duke, and Duke's recruiting class next year is just, I mean, total insanity. But anyway. Oh, we're not talking not,
1: about that. That's, I,
0: I know, I know, I know. That's a let's national not, tragedy. Let's talk about, oh, of course it is. It's a Greek tragedy is what it is. Uh, Let's talk about a sport in which Maryland is better than Duke, and that's in women's basketball. And, Thomas, I think one of our running gags, I've mentioned this a lot because I have to, is how the selection committee disrespects Maryland all the time and disrespects the Big Ten in general. Uh, Last night, they revealed their S-curve, the top 16, and Maryland was on it at number 13. Thank God.
1: Yeah. And it came as they were destroying Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, and and the number seems about right to me as well. I mean, Maryland doesn't have a ton of really impressive wins. Um, you know, their non-conference schedule had the two games against powerhouse teams, and they lost them both. And
0: no shame in that.
1: They had yeah, and they had some other games against teams that have been good in recent years, but like haven't been good this year. And so you know, their non-conference schedule didn't end up being much tougher than. You know, it's been in the past, which, you know, for better or worse, it's a shame, um,
0: but they do have an opportunity still, now because the big 10, yeah. well, it's not great. They have more good teams to beat.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, and Rutgers was in the original list. I mean, Ohio, they've kind of fallen apart Ohio recently. Ohio state,
0: Yeah.
1: Ohio state was in the first one, um, but not anymore. I think Michigan's in this one, and Michigan Maryland is still has one. to play Michigan. Two behind Maryland. Yeah, Maryland still has to play Michigan as well.
0: Yeah, in Michigan,
1: and you
0: can't hurt yourself by winning those games.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's looking like once again, you know, that is, if that's what you're going to do, um, if you're going to, if if you're, if after everything that Maryland went through in the off season and even during the season, um, hosting. Uh, the first and second round and getting through that would be quite an accomplishment.
0: Brenda Freeze is a great coach.
1: Yep. I think this could be your best coaching job. I, I, I would agree.
0: Because right now, the way that they're playing with nine scholarship players available to them and the fact that they're still probably the best team in the Big Ten right now, Again, you underestimate transitioning from the ACC to the Big Ten and not only just winning the league consistently, but dominating it pretty much every year.
1: That is incredibly impressive. Yeah, I mean, really the only team that's been able to hang with them in the last couple of years has been Ohio State. And this year, for whatever reason, they killed Ohio State, which was kind of unexpected. Maybe say their worst team, worst team in air quotes. Yeah, and, and Ohio State's very much a veteran team right now. So so that was surprising. If they, if they meet again, you know, I don't think you could expect another 30-point blowout. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
0: It will absolutely be interesting to see what happens there. And, and tying this back to men's basketball, because of course we have to, uh, it is still incredibly impressive to go back and look and say that in the first three years of Maryland in the Big Ten, Mark Turgeon and company finished in the top four each of their first three years. That is not something to shake your head at, nope anyway, uh so I don't know were we too negative here to silver lining too many silver linings I don't know you tell me I don't know I, I think it's
1: you know in general Maryland's been losing a lot uh because the schedule's been tough and because there were you know they've blown a few close ones um. The gist is that in February that will have to change, and there's a decent chance it does change.
0: Certainly, you hope um, so against Wisconsin on Sunday, who is um, what's the word? Bad, bad,
1: very bad. Yeah, look at that uh, scholarly word there. Yeah, that's what well, we're here for.
0: Well, would you would like would you like rancid instead? Horrific, ghastly, abhorrent.
1: One of those. Okay. Um, I'd like to think I did all
0: my SATs with English, but.
1: Yeah, yeah, SATs, man, those are, I miss those. (laughs) No, you don't. I don't really. I don't really. (laughs) No one does.
0: So we will be back with you a podcast in the coming week or so. Uh, Maryland plays Wisconsin on Sunday and then at Penn State uh, Wednesday. Penn State's actually not that terrible, but Maryland's already beaten them with a short deck, even though that game was a lot closer than it should have been. So they lost at Penn State last year on the road, which was not good. Made me feel kind of sick, but hopefully they can change that. And then they play Northwestern, who was another team that fell off the face of the earth. A lot of what happened in the Big Ten is this year was teams that we thought might be somewhat decent, like Northwestern and Minnesota, just had all sorts of bad things happen. Either they, well, in Minnesota's case, some things that were very unfortunate happened. And in Northwestern's case, they just turned back into Northwestern basketball.
1: Yeah, yeah, both of those happening at the same time. I mean, it's been kind of offset by Ohio State being surprisingly good yep. uh, in Chris Holtman's first year. Michigan, and, we thought, I mean, was going to be pretty And decent. Purdue Purdue was supposed to be decent.
0: Well, we thought Michigan but, State was going to just dominate the league, and they've had yeah. some other things happen that may have you know taken away from that. By the way, were you at the Izzo press conference? Absolutely. Was that not one of the most interesting press conferences you've ever
1: been at? I've 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 never been at anything quite like that just because um you know I mean every game I've been to none of them had outside the lines you know and nope. you would hope I mean, not and she just came out swinging like she she was not holding back and that's how been it the journalists yeah and that's how the press conference started but normally
0: like, it's okay. like listen, I'm not a fan of press conferences. I don't usually like them because I don't think you could really get much out of them. But in that situation, she went no holds barred.
1: Yeah, I mean and, and the whole thing there. I mean it was it was a very interesting atmosphere overall. Um and you know, as, as a young journalist, you know, it it's a cool thing to be a part of and It gives you a little bit. It
0: gives you a good experience as a journalist. Because you're not covering that necessarily from a Michigan State perspective, but it's hard to cover that game without having that perspective
1: involved. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I I wrote about, you know, a couple of the things that he said and some of the players said uh, after the game, even though, you know, that was was about Michigan State and I write about Maryland, you know, just because it's a big deal. And there's still so much of that that's oh, unresolved. That's
0: a disaster that's unfolding there,
1: mm-hmm. and that's it, that's oh, still going, and will still Belorian keep going.
0: Uh, proportions is what that is. And yeah. that's a, and and again because it's different because with Penn State when that happened Maryland was not yet in the Big Ten, so it's ancillary. It affects college sports and everything like this affects Maryland in a way, but when it happened with Penn State into a different level and it happened with Baylor they're not teams they're in Maryland's conference and this time it happens with Michigan State as Maryland is playing them in basketball so they intersect in a way that it's kind of important you know and it also it kind of tells the story of that game because with everything that was going on in that first half they looked tired and they looked like they didn't know what hit them and you really can't blame them
1: yep just because, the lot I going mean, on. it's so Still much to ask of those,
0: though. you know, it's so much to ask of those players who we, you would hope had nothing to do with any of this. And they now have to kind of bear the brunt of it. And that's the unfortunate part of college athletics when stuff like this happens. It often is well in the past and nobody who is on these teams today is often involved with it. And again, hopefully Maryland has not been engaged in anything like this. But every school's had issues of Title IX variety and you know sexual assault culture and all of this stuff. And Maryland's not immune. Nobody's immune to it. But I mean, that that everything that was involved in that game was—it's nothing like I've seen with any Maryland basketball game before. And you're probably and hopefully not going to see anything like it again. That's the hope. Anyway, at least the atmosphere was cool. Yep. It, it, enjoy the Super Bowl. I'm not rooting for Tory Smith, by the way. <laughs> oh well. Although did you? Well, considering where I live and my upbringing, I'm not. I can't do that. Although I'll be happy for him. Although, did you see today? He said he's not going to the White House if the
1: Eagles win. Uh, I think I did see something. Jeff Herman tweeted what it that was. out.
0: When I was looking I for that's what Tiger was. Campbell had committed, so. Good on Tory for. Uh, his stands, whether you agree with them or not, he has his stands and he's being solid with them and that's all you can ask for and that's all you would want from somebody, especially as, well, they go to school right outside of Washington. Anyway, that's the end of this show. We will be back with you very soon for more fun and merriment, hopefully when it comes to Maryland sports because usually there isn't any, except for women's basketball. Go watch women's basketball games. They're going to make you a lot happier.